Farther east, where the ground is no longer flat, the grid does finally concede to the Earth's natural contours. Beyond that are mountains, and in the blue light of dawn their jagged horizon can resemble the mountains she remembers. By mid-morning, though, the likeness is gone, the range erased by the hot yellow smog. Anyway, there is work to be done. Where the rice has already been harvested, the plants are ragged and short, with a clear view of the cars smoking by at 55 miles an hour. Yesterday, the hired workers cut it down one stem at a time. They bundled the stalks of rice into sheaves the width of a woman's grip and impaled each one on the plants from which they came to dry in the sun. This morning, the farmer walks the rows, collecting the bundles, dropping each one behind her head into the basket on her back. Even after it is heavy and full, she continues dropping more rice gingerly on top, even as the load threatens to spill. The straps cut into her shoulders, but the skin there is tough. Not like when she was young, when the weight of the basket would grind into her flesh until it blistered, broke, and peeled away. Back then, her name was I. Her birth name had been Zha, meaning something like precious youngest daughter, but that didn't last. She was a sickly infant, failing to grow, and so people began calling her by the generic nickname Mei Ai, small one. It stuck. As she grew into a child and then an adolescent, people dropped the first half and called her just Ai, small. Now she calls herself fat, fat like an emperor. She is still only four foot eight, but her belly is a pumpkin inside her elasticized pants. Her cheeks are round and full, and under her chin is a crease so deep the center is pale white, like a second smile. Under the crease, a gold pendant with rubies in the shape of a heart, a matching gold watch on her wrist. Today, a hip sack is clipped in the narrows above her waist, the money bag attached to it, tense with a roll of bills, hangs down over her bulge. Her name has changed, too, though she's not sure exactly when. Definitely after the Thai military police collected her on the banks of the Mekong River, still damp from her desperate escape out of Laos. Maybe it was during the fingerprinting, when they asked for her name and her husband answered for her. Or later, when that Thai script was turned into English, perhaps some aid worker with a pen deciding that what sounded like I couldn't possibly be a person's name, so adding a letter to produce the closest thing that made sense. I, A, in her language, Ia, meaning bitterness, a common name for girls. It was the third time she had been named, but the first time she had been written down on paper, made official. The name stuck. It would follow her through 15 years in the refugee camps, then across the Pacific Ocean to California. It would be the name printed on her United States passport, surrounded by words she could not read and set against a drawing of an eagle and a sheaf of wheat. Ia Mua. With it, a new chapter of her story began. She knew it would never be possible for her to go back and undo the beginning of that story, 
Once a person becomes an orphan, she can never not be one again. But there was no law that said she couldn't be the one to compose the rest of the narrative. And perhaps in doing so, she could imagine herself into something bigger than an orphan, something more valuable, something less alone. <laughs>